Welcome to the Metox podcast. I'm Fran Dargaville, a functional nutritionist. My home base is in Sydney, Australia, but you'll just as often find me following the sunshine and warmer weather around the world, and of course, hunting down all the best coffee shops while I'm at it. I'm here to share my take on nutrition and health, answer your questions, and chat with leading health and wellness experts and all-round inspiring humans. Enjoy this week's episode and submit your questions at frandargaville.com or via my Instagram, frandargaville. Hey guys, this week's interview is with the lovely Claire Bradshaw. Claire is a life coach, yoga teacher, and host of the Becoming Whole podcast. She supports women to empower themselves to ditch stress and overwhelm so they can connect with their whole selves and their life's purpose. In this episode, we spoke all about stress and what we can do to overcome it and how we can start to connect with our intuition. We also spoke about Claire's recent experience on a 10-day silent meditation retreat. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Claire, welcome to the show. Hi, Fran. Great to be here. Could you share with us a little bit about how you got to where you are today? Yeah, so it's quite a journey. (laughs) So I'm going to do the the short-ish version. Um, So it was about eight, nine years ago, I was working in corporate marketing. I was actually doing something very different. I was actually doing brand marketing for food processed for processed food um, companies. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's quite amusing um, given what I'm doing today. Um, and, um, you know, I went into that job because um, I thought it was the creme de la creme. It was very ego driven and I wanted to work for big manufacturers and work on these big fancy advertising campaigns. That was, you know, what I was really working towards. And I got into that um, position and then I, I didn't feel it. I didn't really want to be there, but I put so much of myself into it that I didn't even know that I had any other choice to look at anything different. Anyway, a couple of years later, I started to get um, different physical symptoms. So it started off with some skin rashes, um, you know, fatigue, uh, some IBS, you know, gut gut type stuff. Um, And then I had hypoglycemia as well. So it was just one thing after another and kept going back to the doctors, not really getting anything to help with that. I ended up um, getting really dizzy. So it kind of ended up being severe vertigo and that started to have a massive impact on being able to do my work. So I'd be going into meetings and or presentations and then feel like I was going to throw up and everything would be spinning and I'd have to leave. So, um, which wasn't, which wasn't obviously, uh, great because I wasn't able to do my work. So I kept visiting the doctors and um, they were just prescribing more pills and nothing was coming back with, you know, anything wrong with me. Um, And then, you know, fast forward um, six months, my husband and I had decided to go on a one-way flight to um, Latin America. We sold everything we owned and just decided to just totally change things up. And um, as soon as I got on that plane, all of those symptoms disappeared. 
And it struck me at that point that there was a real connection between the mind and the body, but I didn't know what it was because I hadn't changed anything in terms of um, the exercise I did or the food or drink or anything like that. I hadn't changed any of those things, but what I had changed was the circumstances I was living in day to day. And what I realized later on with retrospect was that it was very tightly connected to um, doing something that I wasn't actually connected to on a values perspective, but also um, I didn't know how to deal with stress and I didn't know how to deal with my negative thinking. And so I, we went traveling for what ended up being 18 months. And during that time, um, I very much opened up to, okay, so I'm not working in this corporate environment. What else is there for me? I was very much asking some big existential kind of questions and I'd be climbing at the top of a mountain and I'd be getting these really strong um, downloads almost of, you know, I'm not meant to be sitting at a desk in a fake environment day in, day out for my whole life. You know, sitting under artificial lights isn't something that's nourishing me. Not getting fresh air isn't nourishing me. So I started to get these kind of feelings of like, okay, well, I know what I don't want, but what is it that I do want? And now after that 18 month trip, we ended up in the UK and what did I end up doing? I needed money and I ended up going back into the same types of jobs, but I had changed from within. So what was different here was there was a separation between the job and me. And, but I was still getting those same feelings. There's more to life than this. There's more to, you know, why, why I'm here and what I'm, you know, going to do day to day. Um, and then fast forward another couple of years and I ended up doing a yoga teacher training. And that's when everything really kind of came together. And that's where the big, big shift for me happened, um, where I really connected really deeply with myself and realized what was truly important and then began to make the steps to create a life around that. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> so it's quite that. a long story. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. That's really cool. And it's it's funny what you said about, you know, just getting out of that environment and traveling. And I think that's such a big part of why I have loved traveling so much over the last um, decade or so, because, um, you know, similar thing. I had fatigue and that kind of thing and went on exchange for Mexico uh, to Mexico was probably you know, drinking too much and eating a lot of tacos. And I felt so much better than I, when I was at home, probably eating better and, you know, doing more exercise and that kind of thing. It's crazy how much your environment, environment makes such a huge difference. And I think, you know, it takes a big shift sometimes to actually realize that. Mm. And that's cool. That totally. And I think, you know, well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think one of the key learnings that I got from the traveling, I mean, obviously, you know, it's a lot of fun and it was around nature all of the time and, you know, seeing new things and that helps to kind of reflect more in your own life and, and that. But um, I think having that space from the day-to-day routine, I found to be so helpful because it meant that I wasn't so caught up in the day-to-day to-do lists and the busyness of day-to-day life, but it gave me the opportunity to have more perspective. Definitely. Yeah, I love that. And that's something I've been working on more and more as well lately because, you know, I have the practices like the yoga and the exercise and meditation and that kind of thing to manage stress but I still find myself getting overwhelmed because I 
just don't have that space in my day like you do when you go on holiday and just yeah. having um last week I was in Tasmania for 10 days and just having that space in my days and just like reading and just sitting there and writing and not having to do anything it just it's just so calming is this something that you've mm. found as well yeah yeah for sure and you know it, it's not to say that um you know in the day-to-day -day of you know doing and and moving through the world and doing the things that we need to do it doesn't mean that you know now having had this perspective I'm able to completely shift all of that you know but what I do have is yeah tools and things like that that enable me to bring more of that into the day today and I think you know one of the biggest things um that I have found is yeah creating spaces in the day for a walk in nature or to go like this morning I went for a swim and um you know and then catching myself when I get into that busy kind of striving mode and taking a break and I think you know and and you can do that in various ways like looking at your calendar and then creating spaces in the day specifically for that and if you need to set an alarm <laughs> then to set an alarm in order to make sure that that happens and um, because otherwise we can just be on this churn day in day out day in day out until the body says uh uh I'm out of balance. <laughs> mm. I need some TLC and the body will, you know, if we keep flogging it and we keep pushing it and we keep striving and all of that, there will come a point when the body will make us and force us to mm. slow down and to take stock. <laughs> yeah. And when you're forced to, it's generally going to be a whole lot harder to, you know, yeah. bounce back from that instead of just listening to the nudges along the way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, by creating those spaces in the day, we're also giving ourselves the opportunity to have that, you know, people talk about it being white space where we're, we're not thinking about all of the to do's, but we're creating more perspective and more space in order to have more creativity. And so it's a funny thing, like, you know, you could be sitting at your desk, you know, striving over something or trying to get the brain to work and figure out a problem. And then you go and have, make a cup of tea or you have a shower or you go for a walk around the block and suddenly that idea just comes straight to you. It yeah. doesn't come from the thinking mind. It comes from creating the space. Yes, I love that. So can we talk a little bit more about sort of learning to connect with ourselves and intuition? Because I think a lot of people, including myself, you know, when I get busy, I tend to, you know, jam all these things into my day, don't give myself any blank space. And then when I get home, I want to, you know, I'll scroll social media or watch something on Netflix. And then there's no time for creativity or thinking about what I want or, you know, in my life um, or what's going to make me feel good. And, you know, I guess for me, I know now that this is important to have this blank space and to think about what's, you know, what I want out of my life and to um, take a little time to connect with my intuition. But a lot of the people listening might not have really thought about that before because I think that's not, it's not necessarily common knowledge that we need this blank space in our days or we need to connect with our intuition so could you share with us why that might be important and maybe how we can actually start to connect with ourselves and what's right for us and you know what do you even do if you give yourself 10 minutes in your day or half an hour like what what do you do how can I start to connect 
with my intuition or do I just sit there and think, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's such a good point. I mean, like there are, you know, many different things. And of course, it's a bit similar to, um, you know, the the coaching that you do, it is not necessarily one size fits all. It depends on the person and how their life looks and what works for them. But I'll give you a few suggestions for sure. So like I said before, so creating some spaces in the day. So it may be if you're working in an office, it may be that, um, you know, at lunchtime, you make sure that you get out of the office office away from your desk so important to go for a walk preferably if you can find green space so nature walk um it may be sitting on a park bench and then taking in the sounds around you you know taking in the sounds watching the birds flying in the sky it may be watching you know insects on the ground doing their thing you know something that connects us with something that well, essentially is, is true to us, which is our truth is, is nature. We are of nature. So then when we connect more deeply to nature, we begin to connect more deeply with ourselves. Um, so creating those spaces in the day to say hi to mother nature and something that I do quite regularly. I don't really admit this <laughs> often, but I actually go and say hello to the trees quite often. I have certain trees that um, are built up a connection with, and I will go and spend some time with them. I will look at, look at their leaves or study their leaves. I will touch their, their bark. I will sit on their roots. Um, sometimes I'll close my eyes and have a little meditation on top of the roots of a tree. And I find that that really helps me to connect more deeply with myself, but also with something bigger than myself, i.e. nature. Um, So those types of things really help. Um, Also journaling, you know, can help a lot. Um, But what I found with journaling that really helps is to use it um, as a practice that I do more either at the start of the day or at the end of the day. And I tend to set myself some questions. Um, so it may be, you know, something that's going on in my life. I'll be asking for more clarity. You know, why, why is this, you know, why is this happening? Why am I responding like this? Da, 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 da. And it can help me go deeper into actually what some of the patterns are that have been running. So I find that to be a really great tool to deepen that connection. Um, I use essential oils and I find that essential oils, using them in um, meditation practice and also using them to have a bath as well. So I have a bath once a week and I'll put music on and I'll light some candles um, and I find that to be a really connective space, but it brings a lot of pleasure. It feels really, really nice and nurturing. So there are a few things that um, I find that I, when I incorporate in my life, they bring me back to a place of, of black balance and connection. Mm. For sure. I love that. And I love all of those things. And I'm really jealous because I don't have a bath right now. Ah. <laughs> <It's> devastating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I would love to know what your thoughts are for anyone listening who, you know, if they have trouble sitting still, say they're in the bath and they just want to watch Netflix and, you know, whatever else, I guess, distracted, like if they sit down to journal you know, they just want to reach for their phone. How could we start to introduce this, you know, with baby steps? What are some ways that people can just, you know, make it, make it happen and make it approachable and easy if they're just not, um, you know, not quite ready to dive right in? Yeah, that's such a good point. Um, Because if you've been 
running and going and busy and doing all of the time and you've been on that kind of hamster wheel for a long time and um, you know I really think that there's an addiction to the um you know the stress hormones I think that in our society now and I've spoken to a lot of clients who say I don't know how to exist without my stress I don't know how to exist without adrenaline I don't know how to exist without coffee to keep me going and if I don't have those things how can I even survive or even get anything done in this world I'll be a failure so you know these are kind of wow these are big big things and um you know firstly um just recognizing that in yourself I think is a really good thing to recognize um and then it's also then making the decision to say, actually, I don't want to continue like this, you know, because if you decide that, you know, you want to keep continuing like that, then for someone like me to sort of say, okay, make some time in your calendar and I think you're just not going to do it because you're not connected enough to it. So you, firstly, you have to understand that you're doing that. Secondly, you have to make a decision that I'm ready to change and I want to create more space and I want to connect more deeply within because I know the benefits are more creativity. I know that I'm going to feel less stressed, be less reactive and feel calmer through my day. So I think those are two important things to come across first of all. And then if you do decide that this is something that you want to, you know, put the, put some time into because you can see that there are benefits for you, then what I would suggest is to start to slow things down a bit. That doesn't mean you don't do anything. <laughs> you still do things, but you slow down things like when you're walking from the tram or the train to work, for example, you create a little bit more, maybe you take a little bit of a longer route to get to work and you walk more slowly. You connect to that walk. So you notice your surroundings, you notice your footsteps, you notice your feet, you notice your legs. Like it sounds a bit, maybe a bit crazy, but just to bring a bit more consciousness and awareness into how you're moving. Then you do things like start to notice how you're talking. You know, am I talking really, really fast? Am I cutting people off when um, they're talking to me? Am I truly listening? the way that you talk and then slowing the way that you eat as well so you know when you create that food rather than watching tv or you know watching um you know something on on netflix or listening to something you sit down with the food and then you take the time to really eat chew your food you know these types of things rather than what so many of us can end up doing which is just creating this food and then just gobbling it up and before we know it, we're like oh did I even eat I can't even remember what I even ate what even I even put in my mouth so these types of things can start to slow the nervous system down I also recommend with a lot of my clients some breathing practices so the breath is known to be the um the connector or the bridge between the mind and the body so the thing that keeps us going and doing and moving and striving, that's the mind. The body doesn't necessarily want to be working at such a rapid 
pace because if we're in the stress hormone place, if you actually really tune into your body when you're feeling like that, then the heart will be beating fast. The skin will be contracting. The muscles will be all tight. Everything in your whole body will be holding on to brace for some, you know, really bad thing to happen. It's, you know, the ancient part of our body. So if we can start to come out of the mind, come into the body, and start to create those nice, long, smooth inhales and exhales, then we can start to settle our system down. And then we won't be so reactive in sitting down to do our journaling practice and then wanting to reach for the phone. Totally. But these are, yeah, these are all practices. So it, it's kind of like a bit of a, just an unwinding a little bit through the body. Another practice that is amazing for really slowing the, the mind down is, um, of course, meditation, but if you've been doing a lot of stuff, to sit down in silence with all of those thoughts can feel really confronting. So what I recommend to a lot of people is either to do a, follow a, um, like a guided meditation because that can keep the mind a little bit active or something like a yin practice, a yin yoga practice, um, because that still gives you something to feel into the body as you create some stillness in the mind and some stillness in the body, but you can feel the sensation in the body and that can be a little bit more active than just sitting there in stillness in a cross-legged position in meditation. So, um, yeah, they would probably be some of my top recommended recommendations just to get started. Mm, I love that. So, I mean, you spoke a little bit about the impacts of stress on our bodies when we're rushing around all the time. And, you know, I know I speak for myself, um, mm. often being quite stressed and I have tools to manage that. Um, but I see, you know, a lot of the people around me as well are feeling this way as well. We're constantly stressed and juggling all these things so you know i guess you've, you've shared a little bit about the impact um, of this rushing around what what really is the impact on our body and i guess what is the impact and what really changes for us i suppose physically mentally emotionally when we do mm. actually change and start to slow down and be more mindful yeah, so I'm not sure if um, you've had guests that have talked about this on your podcast, but you know our autonomic nervous system has two sides to it. So the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. The sympathetic is the fight or flight flight um, reaction, and um, this is the the side of the um, system that, unfortunately, in today's lifestyles, we're switching on way too much, um, and. Um, Whilst, you know, to have short bursts of the sympathetic switching on is perfectly healthy because that's how our bodies were, were made to survive, essentially. So, you know, going back in, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of years, you know, when we were living in community and we were surviving by catching our food, and but we also had predators, you know, looking to eat us as well. We needed that to, to survive and to defend ourselves and protect ourselves. However, if you can imagine, a, you know, someone who's a hunter-gatherer, they had set points in the day where then they would need to, you know, go and catch, um, catch food and they would, you know, be in that fight or flight. And then the rest of the time they would be in community, maybe singing and dancing and connecting and around nature. 
So then that they would switch out of the sympathetic nervous system into the parasympathetic, which is the rest and digest. Now, the thing is, is that in our t today's lifestyles, when we see an email coming through or we look at our to-do list at the start of the day, or um, we have a boss that's kind of screaming down our throats asking for that report, we can constantly be in the sympathetic nervous system and actually not come down from it. So this is what I was talking about before, about how we can become addicted to adrenaline. It's because we don't know any different. We are constantly in the sympathetic nervous system. The impact that that can have over time, so it's called chronic, chronic stress, essentially, is that it's too strong for our systems. So it puts a lot of strain on our heart. It, um, you know, it effect, physically affects our body. So we're tightening up our whole body to survive and defend something that's coming towards us. So then it can create like tightness in the neck, you know, tightness in the shoulders. We can get you know, problems with our lower back. So many people have problems with their lower back and their shoulders these days. Yeah, from sitting for a long time, but also from the stress response and from sitting. It's a combination of the two. Um, and then, you know, and when we're stressed, you know, you, you would know this as well. What are we reaching for when we're stressed food wise, when we're stressed and probably tired, because if we're in the sympathetic nervous system, we're in fight or flight. We're not in the sympathetic, which is rest and digest. We're not properly digesting our food. And then also it's having an impact on sleep. So then when we go to sleep, we're either struggling to fall asleep, we're waking up through the night, or we're just not having good quality sleep. So then in the daytimes, we can then be surviving on coffee. What does that do? But it's like, it's more, you know, getting the, um, you know, the stress hormones going again. Yeah, it might be waking us up, but it's having an impact maybe on our gut as well. Um, and then, um, and then we're reaching for sugar and things like that in the afternoon to, um, to get that pick me up and to keep going. So, you know, over time, this can have a big, big impact on our overall systems. So, um, you know, it is really important. And it's something that I'm so passionate about is helping people to recognize this in themselves and then help to support them as they start to make changes. And this is not a quick fix, you know. If you have been someone who's been very much living their life in pushing and striving, and you know, particularly type A personalities, um, you know, to let go of that can take a bit of time, but it's totally possible. Mm, mm. And what do you see starts to happen with people when they do take the time to? slow down and actually incorporate these practices and start to rely less on caffeine and sugar to fuel them. Yeah. So I, I see people, their, their whole body starts to shift. It's, it's almost like a sense of relaxation comes through. And, and, um, you know, I work with a lot of people who experience anxiety as well, which is, again, something that is pretty rife today. Um, a lot of people are in this, you know, fight or flight, and it's leading to, you know, symptoms of anxiety and panic attacks as well. So, um, yeah, feeling a lot more sure of themselves. So, like the coaching that I do, we delve quite a lot into what's, what's going on in the background. So, generally... 
the you know the striving and the pushing it comes from a deeper place there's something else there's some belief system that's running in the background and we look to bring that to light and when we bring some of those things to light then you know then we can start to work with something and start to shift Mm-hmm. And that's where it, so I do find, you know, yeah, there are things that we can do on the outside so we can, you know, slow, slow down and we can bring more space and everything else. Um, we can understand why we're doing it because, you know, we know that it's having a detrimental impact on the system to keep going, you know, from this kind of busy place. But when we actually understand what's underneath the surface, what the, um, what the belief system is, that's where the changes start to happen. Because then we can start to shift out of that. And then it shifts, shifts the way then we start to operate in the world. And I think an important thing to note here is that, you know, going from being busy to things that are going on and all of that, but bringing a little bit more balance into life does not mean that you can't achieve things. And I think that that can sometimes be the belief that's running in the background is that if I don't, if I slow things down and I bring more space, then I can't get all of the stuff done and then everything will fall apart. Um, yeah. So I'd say that those were kind of the key things. And you can get all the stuff done and actually enjoy it and be happy while you're, while you're doing all of that as well. Which yeah. Is- yeah for sure and you know and often it does take some time as well to look at what the to-do list is you know and like practically looking at it and kind of going well okay I have all of these things on my to-do list but actually I only have this amount of time in the day what am I going to prioritize here what you know what is most important to me and my you know and obviously if you have family responsibilities, then, you know, they are going to take a higher priority and learning that it's okay. And I think, you know, so many women, and I think we're only just starting, we're just scratching the surface on this stuff really, but so many women find it hard to say no. Oh yeah. (laughs) You know, so many women find it hard to say no. And so we get into these cycles of people pleasing and not setting boundaries with other people because we're, we're scared that we won't be accepted or they won't think that we're a nice person or that we're good enough. And, um, you know, there are ways that we can set boundaries that are supportive of ourselves, but also using communication skills, just being really clear with our communication so that we're able to set those and not harm another person. It's not to sort of say, because there's ways we can set boundaries, which is like, no, I'm not going to do that, you know, and kind of blur our stuff. And you always expect so much from me. Well, that, you know, that's going to have an impact on the other person and it's probably not going to go so well in your relationship. So <laughs> it's coming out of some of that reactivity. And often that reactivity can happen when we're really stressed and we're really tired and we've been giving to everyone else and we haven't given to ourselves. Oh yes, definitely. <laughs> you mentioned briefly about, you know, connection and community, especially I suppose when you were giving the, you know, historical example of how we are supposed to live. And I've definitely noticed this has been another part of my own health journey as well, realizing that that's actually important too, because, you know, for myself, I was doing all the um, you know, all the right things with nutrition and movement and, and meditation and mindfulness and journaling. And then, um, you know, 
being an introvert and being, um, you know, when I had chronic fatigue, for example, I just didn't really want to make all the plans and go and do all the things. But I suppose I've since realised that that community and connection is actually really important for our health as well. How do you think yeah. you can sort of find a balance between that saying no and having boundaries and, you know, actually making sure that you get that meaningful connection and community in your life as well? Yeah, it's such an important point because it's so true because we're not, we were never meant to just live on our own, <laughs> surviving in this world on our own, you know, having connection and, you know, they're saying, I've uh, been reading recently, you know, connection is, is a core part of what it means to be human. Um, and I think connection to self is a huge part of that. So um, what I do and what I work with um, my clients with is connecting deeper to self um, by, you know, journaling and, and meditation in particular. But also, you know, I ask a lot of questions. We go quite deep into some stuff and um, really understanding what your values are. Um, and this has had a huge impact on my life. This is how I really start to live my life on the inside out was really understanding what was important to me. So previously I, you know, I would hang out with a lot of people and I'd finish spending time with them, but I didn't actually feel filled up. I might feel a bit like, Oh, I was around people, but I just didn't really feel quite right around these people. And I didn't know why. And then I thought, Oh, well, uh, what's wrong with me? You know, of course, you know, made it about myself. And um, it wasn't until I really understood my values and then really started to take note of when I was in particular people, you know, particular people's company and going to certain places, how does this make me feel? Does it fill me up or does it deplete me? And from there, I started to work out, okay, what are the things that fill me up? Okay, how can I incorporate more of that stuff and less of the other stuff? And as I started to make those uh, choices from the inside, you know, from connecting deeper within to my values, then what I noticed was that those groups of people that I used to hang out with, we just weren't hanging out anymore. Now, no relationship broke down. It just literally just separated just naturally. It's kind of magical. And um, essentially, I see it that I just changed my energy around it. And, and then things on the outside started to reflect that. Um, but that's going into the yoga a little bit, <laughs> a little bit much, but, um, yeah. And so, yeah. So then it just made it so much easier to make choices in terms of what I did and how I spent my time. And, um, you know, as I've gone down a, you know, a yoga meditation journey, I've connected with a lot more people within those communities. And for me, that has really, really filled me up um, because we're more like-minded. Um, and so then that's when I choose to spend the time in community, that's who I tend to spend time with. And of course, you know, family as well. Mm. I love that. I love, yeah, everything you shared there. And, um, you know, I think it's, it can be a challenge and there can be this sort of awkward space between realizing that, maybe some relationships in your life aren't right and then finding, you know, the new relationships that do fill you up, you know, that can be a hard place to be in, but just really, you know, I guess, like you said, just becoming aware of that and starting to, to trust that and think about what's important to you 
then you're going to end up with the most amazing friendships and relationships and and life if you just you know keep going and keep following what's you know what's in alignment for you I suppose and your values yeah for sure for sure and I think you know my husband and I have both been on quite a, a deep inner journey over the last five years and he's experienced the same thing which is changing you know just shifting within himself and then noticing then the the way that he or the people that he used to um, spend a lot of time with they were just so different they weren't you know seeing life in the same way and there is a period you're right there is a period where it's like oh there's a sadness you know it's it's almost like there is a little bit of grief grieving the old you <laughs> essentially um um, but then, you know, and one of the practices that we put into place that really helped us as we made this transition was seeing that we still love those people, you know, they're not bad people. It's just that that was the old version of ourselves and that was them then as well. And that we connected at that point in time and now we are on different paths and that's okay. So just one of the things that I found so essential in making these shifts and these changes in the, in, in our lives and with my clients is compassion is huge in this journey. Kindness. So every time you fall off the, the making the changes in your life, as you're making the changes in your life and you're going through these periods that feel a bit like, Oh, strange and a bit weird being really super kind and nurturing to self as you're going through it makes a massive difference. Oh yes, definitely. I love that. Yeah. And just like you said, just, you know, not making anyone bad or wrong, including yourself. And it just makes a whole yeah. process so much easier. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think it's, it's an interesting one because I think as humans, um, this is something I talk about in my yoga classes all the time, but um, as humans, I think we can get so scared of change so petrified of change because there's an uncertainty that goes with it and like a resistance. We want to hold on to the past sometimes and old parts of ourselves. And this is who I am and this is how I do it. But there's something calling us to make a change, whether it's we've become ill or whether a way of operating and acting in the world used to service, it doesn't service anymore. There is a period of uh, discomfort but if we can allow ourselves to go through that, to soften with it, then, um, you know, that our lives can change in these most miraculous, most beautiful ways. And the way I like to look at this when I start to cling and hold on and not want to let go is I look at nature because nature is always changing. The weather is always changing. The seasons are changing. The day goes from daytime to nighttime. If we can remember that and connect to that, then it can soften the whole process a little more. Love that. That's awesome. Okay. So I know you went on, we did Vipassana recently, which is the 10 day meditation silence experience, I suppose. Could you please share with us a little bit about, I mean, what that involves and what your experience was and what you got out of it and all of that? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I've been meditating for five years since I did my yoga teacher training, which shifted so much in my life. And, um, 
yeah and so i've been doing this meditation practice for five years and i was ready to kind of take it to the next level i wanted to deepen my practice and all of that and um and so i decided to do this vipassana um retreat which is 10 days of absolute silence um 10 hours a day of meditation seated um and two meals a day and <laughs> uh, so it is it is quite hardcore and it's interesting because when um when we were when i was interviewing you we were talking about um you know these two different um types of um of people whether it's the moderator and what was the other one abstainer abstainer um and so i'm much more of a moderator and this was very much the abstaining approach which is where you just literally cut out all of the stimulation in your life and go cold turkey um now because i've slowed my life down a lot over the last five years and you know i don't drink you know a lot of alcohol i don't party or anything like that and um you know i eat a healthy diet and i meditate and stuff like that i still found it to be a massive challenge so for the first three days uh, we were seated um you know for, for 10 hours a day and the meditation was to focus on the air coming in and out of your nostrils so that was the meditation so just literally i was <laughs> focusing on the air coming in and out of your nostrils right but then in amongst that focusing there's a whole lot of stuff that's going on in the background so of course the mind's wandering and it's saying whatever it wants to say at that time but then also physically my body was in quite a lot of pain so which i found really interesting because i practice yoga and all of this i wasn't expecting to be in pain but for three days it felt like someone was stabbing me in my back <laughs> between my shoulder blades it wasn't it wasn't pleasant and so then what does the body want to do when it's in a feeling of pain it wants to move you know you want to move the mind starts to get involved and goes i want to move i want to move i want to move <laughs> and um the whole the whole part of this meditation is to observe so to notice what's happening and not react to it. Mm. So yeah, hugely challenged. <laughs> challenged. So, you know, you just have to observe the pain and then when you notice it, come back to the breath and then notice the mind going, oh, I want to get out of this. Why isn't the time going quicker? All of the things. <laughs> and then you come back to the sensation. So that was the practice for three days. And then after three days, the practice moved on to um, the Vipassana technique, which is a body scan. And um, the body scan, um, you focus on the crown of the hairs and then work through as an awareness to feel into the body. And so feeling into the skin. So feeling into the skin on the crown of the hair and then working all the way through the body to the feet and then taking it from the feet all the way up. And then we did that all the way up until the end of the 10 days. And what was really, really fascinating here was you start to come out of the consciousness, your, like your, or your, your conscious mind, you come out of your conscious mind, so the thinking mind and the physical body, start to come into the subconscious and start to feel into the sensations within the body so the deeper layers and the subconscious is basically operating most of our lives but the thing is we don't really actually understand or know what is in the background so for example our unconscious belief systems and these types of things that are built from when we're children 
if we're not aware of those, then we can just be operating them out throughout our lives. This practice helps to bring some of that stuff to the surface a little bit. So it can come through as memories or we can start to just feel sensations in the body, which are, are essentially connected to our reactions in life. So what they were saying in this meditation practice is that whenever we're reacting to stuff that happens in life, so someone screams at us and then we have a response back to that, whether it's we shut down or whether we scream back, it's a response in some way. Um, that response comes from a physical reaction in the body first before we take the uh, reaction, whether it be like verbal or we shut down. So there's a sensation that happens in the body. And what this practice teaches you is to feel that sensation. So then we start to create a space between something happening and then our reaction to it. So, yeah, so anyway, throughout the rest of the seven days, my body was just full of sensation, just wow. full of sensation. And on day five, I felt like I was plugged into a wall socket. Um, I felt like I had electricity running all through my body. Wow. I was like buzzing with vibra vibration. Um, yeah, so it was, a, you know, it was a really mind-blowing experience and to have actually experienced those physical sensations and understand the space between cause and react, um, cause and effect is huge. It can have a huge impact on your life. So yeah, it was, it was amazing. And to then get to the end of the 10 days and actually be able to speak was a really fascinating situation because the stimulation of just words was almost too much. I had mm. to, I had to take myself away back into nature after having had a conversation for half an hour because it was just way too much for the nervous system. I felt sick. I've actually felt sick in the gut from it. So, um, yeah. Did you think you were sort of busting to speak by the end or were you just sort of, you'd sort of accepted it by then and, you know, embraced it a little? Yeah. To be honest, I didn't really need to talk a lot was nice to be able to, you know, have a few conversations with some people, but, um, yeah, it was really calm, really calm. Mm, wow. Um, just, yeah, just, yeah, just be okay with how everything, how it is, you know, like not be reacting and not, not be needing things to change in any way, just to be happy with how things were. Awesome. So it's a beautiful, peaceful place. Yeah. Wow. So it was a, an incredible, an incredible um, experience for sure. Yes, I'm going to have to take myself to do that <laughs> one of these days. <laughs> yeah, I just love yeah. hearing about it. I love hearing everyone's experiences and I'm, I know I will do it at some point. Definitely. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it just sounds so fascinating and very challenging. Yeah, yeah, totally. I did the one in um, the Blue Mountains. Mm. So it's, you know, you're around a lot of nature, which yeah. um, I decided to do that one because I was like, if I'm going to do this, then I want to be surrounded by a lot of nature. Definitely. I think that sounds like, oh, it would make it a lot easier, a lot more inspiring to have yeah. greenery around you for sure. Yeah, for sure. So good. So I'd love to move on to some more rapid fire questions now. You may have longer answers Ooh. and that's perfectly fine. <laughs> um, I'll put you on the spot here. So what did you have for breakfast? 
What did I have? Today I had um, avocado and mushrooms on toast. Oh, yum. That sounds so good. on sourdough, sourdough multigrain um, bread that we get from the local bakery. Yum. That sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite health hack right now? So this could be, you know, re- related to meditation or stress reduction or any of the things that we've spoken about. Yeah. Um, I'd say morning routine, like morning routine. It's something that I've been doing for a long time. Um, but again, sometimes it doesn't happen because there's something else going on or whatever. I really, really notice the difference when I don't have like for the whole day, when I have a routine and when I don't have a routine, I notice the difference in my mind. I notice how satisfied I feel through the day. Um, I notice my relationship with time is completely different if I have had um, a practice to when I haven't had a practice. So um, it really makes a huge difference to, to the day. I completely agree. That is something that I'm just banging on about all the time. Yeah. Cause I think, yeah, I mean, even coming from the nutrition perspective, if you have a morning routine and you're feeling good and you're doing stuff that's, you know, in alignment with your goals and you're going to go, have a healthier breakfast, have a healthier lunch, go to bed earlier. Like it has such a big flow on effect. And what are the, some of the yeah. sort of favorite things or typical things that you do in your morning practice? Yeah. So I mix up the physical aspects. So sometimes it's yoga, sometimes it's going for a run. Um, sometimes it's a walk, sometimes it's swimming. So it just depends on, and I really tap into myself. I'm like, what do I feel today? I don't have set days when I do things except for today, Wednesday, I always go for a swim, but, um, but it's more like tapping in with self and kind of asking myself, what do I need today? And then I listen to that and do that. Um, and then I meditate after that. And the technique I use is the Vipassana technique for half an hour. Um, and then I will have a shower and I'll have breakfast and over breakfast, I either listening to records with my husband because he also works for himself. So we listen to some good music and then I generally have a little bit of reading time. So reading a book that I'm super inspired by at the moment and that kind of lifts me up for the day. Um, and then sometimes depending on how, how I'm feeling, I might do a bit of journaling, um, but that's very much a needs by basis. And sometimes that might be at night as well. Mm, I love that. So you've sort of walked us through what your mornings look like in that morning routine. Could you walk us through, you know, a typical day in your life and what that might look like, how you, you know, incorporate some of these practices and you're teaching yoga and coaching and, and that kind of thing. I mean, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of one of the biggest things that I've been working on at the moment is around boundaries and working out when is my time and when is my time for clients and teaching yoga. So one of the big things was, it has been over what times I will teach yoga. I'm being quite specific over that because it can be easy to say yes to everything and then leave nothing to yourself. So I've learned that the hard way. Um, and, um, and the same with, you know, client sessions is kind of having set times. That's, that's my time to work with clients and then having time for creativity. You know, we all need some space as I've been talking about for creativity. So, you know, and sometimes it takes a little bit of time to get into that. So I might go for a walk in nature or, you know, do some breathing exercises or do something that brings some joy to, to me before then taking that time for creativity, because otherwise I'm just not allowing it to come through. 
Um, and um, yeah, and then making sure that I've got that time for lunch. You know, I always prioritize my food. So actually every Saturday I write out a menu of what I'm going to eat for that week. Um, and, um, and it may sound a little bit, I, I know some people don't like to do this because it can feel a little bit restrictive. I've actually found that it gives me heaps more time because I hate that feeling of getting home from working all day and going, what are we going to eat? I don't know. What are you going to, what do you want to eat? I don't know. You know, that type of feeling. It's like, it's too hard to have to think at that time of the day. So if I've already worked out a menu, I've got all the food that we need and, um, and then I know what we're going to eat. And I just find it takes that whole consideration aspect out of the way. We've got enough to think about all the time. Um, plus also, I know that we're going to eat something that's healthy and nutritious. And you're going to waste less food as well. Cause I think that's sure. a huge thing when you buy all these fruits and veggies and they go off and you know, you don't have a plan. I mean, I don't do that. That sounds amazing, but <laughs> it sounds like a good, a good thing to do in that sense as well. Yeah, I've definitely, I've, yeah, I just knew what worked for, for me and I just, I hate that whole feeling of not knowing what to eat. <laughs> so it just makes it easier. <laughs> awesome. And what about in the evening? What do you do? Do you have any practices to wind down and prepare to get a good night's sleep and that kind of thing? Yeah, so my going to bed routine isn't anything like my morning routine and um, often I might be teaching some yoga classes or I have clients quite late in the evening. So, um, yeah, but I do use um, essential oils. I find them really helpful, particularly I have a blend of uh, lavender peace and vetiver. Mm -hmm. And I have that in my, um, my diffuser next to the bed. And I find that that is really beautiful. I also always read before I go to sleep and sometimes incorporate um, some breathing or meditation, mini meditation before bed. And something I've been doing recently, just before I close down my eyes, if I remember to do it, sometimes it's difficult, is to think about what I'm really truly grateful for or um, to visualize my future. Mm. because um, more and more research is coming out. You know, we, when we go into sleep, we're going into the subconscious. And so then we can start to program what we feed into the subconscious. And that's one of the reasons why it's so important not to be stuck on social media. Um, the last kind of, I think they're saying the last hour before bed. Um, one of the reasons is obviously the, the light is really bad for the melatonin levels, but also because if what you're feeding yourself with before you go to bed is seeing how amazing other people's lives is mm -hmm. lives are then that's essentially going into your <laughs> sleep with you so probably not the best so um yeah so just creating um yeah that space with the with the phone is really important yes i completely agree i love that so what is the number one piece of advice that you could give anyone listening right now maybe something that they can go and take action on oh gosh that's a big question um I think spend some time with nature. You know, I think that nature is the biggest healer that we have. 
and um, if we connect, and I truly believe if we connect with nature, and when I say connect with nature, it's like touching it, <laughs> you know, whether it's in summertime taking your shoes off and socks off and walking on the grass, or it's um, lying on the ground and looking up at the sky and watching the clouds moving, whether it's sitting on tree roots, whether it's touching, you know, the bark of a tree and feeling the energy of the tree or touching the leaves and looking at flowers, something like that, like really connecting with nature. Um, taking that time can just really fill us up from the inside out. I love that. That is great advice. Great advice. So Claire, where is the best place for people to find you online and follow along with you? Yeah, so um, I have a website, so it's claire-bradshaw.com. I'm also on Instagram, um, underscore Claire Bradshaw, underscore. Um, I tend to spend most of my time um, more on Instagram probably than anywhere else. Um, and I do one-to-one -one coaching with clients. Um, I'm soon to launch a group coaching program, and I also run a whole bunch of... Um, yoga classes in Melbourne. I run about eight classes, public classes a week and I run retreat. Oh, I will run retreats and I run workshops as well. So a few different um, touch points. And I have a podcast too, which is called Becoming Whole. That's true. Claire's podcast is amazing. You should definitely all go and check it out and everywhere else Claire is as well. I'm sure I would love to come to one of your yoga classes one of these days as well. <laughs> I would so love to have you yeah. there. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. So thank you so much for your time today, Claire. It's been awesome. Thanks so much, Fran. I love talking about this stuff, as you can probably tell. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> See ya. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Metox podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to chat with me about how we can work together to create a plan to reach your personal health goals, head to frandargaville.com and schedule your free functional nutrition strategy session. If you want to connect with me day to day, Instagram is the place to be. Follow me via my handle at Fran Dargaville. And finally, please note that the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not considered to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment.